Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we have some Apple news here and there. We're going to talk about some display rumors, 27-inch iMac, and then we're also going to reveal our favorite Apple hardware and Apple software from 2021 and answer your questions. This episode is brought to you by Prisoner Wine, Wealthfront, Truebill, and Quip. You'll hear about our friends in a moment. And joining me on this penultimate episode for 2021 my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Hey, hello. You catch me in the middle of planning my Christmas party. Yes. Can't decide if it'll be in July or <laughs> August, but you know, we're working on it. If you're planning a Christmas party when you listen to this, it is airing on Christmas Eve if you celebrate Christmas Eve. Otherwise, happy Friday, I suppose. I guess that's the, the alternative. <laughs> that's true. But you know, I'm expecting, William, that there's going to be literally thousands of people uh, just playing the Apple Insider podcast on their speakers for the Christmas party to hear. You know, you don't need Vince Guaraldi trio in the background. You don't need Mariah Carey. You can just play the Apple Insider podcast and it brings the Christmas cheer. Do you mean we're going to have to sing? No, don't tempt me, William. Do not tempt. Do you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you sing, William? Not in the slightest. No. <laughs> I, people say I barely speak. So, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if there's been people listening to the Apple Insider podcast, they know that. Is not to be true. You speak Don't. all the time. <clears throat> but I'll, I'll give you a little, a few moments of a song here. Give me one second. <laughs> okay. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Wow, though. There it is. That was really good. Thank you. I actually do sing. Uh, that is a thing I used to do. I was at a family party once. I've got to see this because you've just reminded me of it so clearly. I was at a family party once years ago, and it was announced that the children are going to sing now for their grandparents. I thought, oh. Do. Okay, fine. <laughs> they get up and they are West End Broadway standard. Oh my goodness. It was incredible to do it. And a long time ago now, one of them, Dora Rubinstein, I still know, she's a performer now in the UK. And it's just am amazing when a, a great voice comes out when you're not expecting. And that's what just happened oh, there. Well, so thank you, you very much. Well, as you know, being the uh, last two episodes for the year, you know, I'm just going to be a little unhinged. It's going to be loosey-goosey. We're going to just kind of shuffle and jive, shuck and jive, as they say. Yeah. yeah. I've heard this phrase, loosey-goosey. It's not terribly well-known in the UK. Is it something to do with you all being drunk or something? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I... Well, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, the Prisoner Wine Company is sponsoring this episode, but they're not sponsoring that part of the okay, episode. Not that. Okay. But uh, I will tell our listeners, so this is our Christmas Eve episode, and then we have one more episode for the year. It's going to air on Christmas Eve. I want to encourage you, it is going to be the longest episode ever of the Apple Insider Podcast. It's actually already in the can. Special guest Jason Aten joined me for a big 2021 year in review, and it's like talk show John Gruber level length of, a, of an episode. And so you get double the podcast next week. So tune in for that New Year's Eve special. It's going to be fun. Right. How long do I have to filibuster to uh, exceed that length? <laughs> At least an hour. I would love to see it. Okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. Well, you know, it's so funny. There's actually news. There's actually Apple news. So we're going to cover some news, but then we'll answer listener questions. This first thing was Mark Gurman. You know, he's releasing his weekly newsletter now called Power On. Mark Gurman corroborated that there is most likely a cheaper Apple monitor being built for sale maybe next year. So we'll get to that in a moment. But also, he was talking about Apple should just make a giant iPad for the home. And this was a rumor we've had throughout the year of, is Apple going to make a smart home device a la the Echo Show and the Google Nest screen devices where it's a screen and speaker? I, this still doesn't feel like a thing that Apple would make to me. I just... I don't imagine an iPad mini or even larger iPad stuck to a speaker and Apple selling it as a device. I'm, I'm just not sure. I would think I would like it maybe, but I don't know. What do you think about William? Would that interest you at all? No, because it kind of reminds me of, uh, was it Steve Jobs? Tim Cook to talk about uh, combining a truck with a fridge or something. <laughs> it just wait, wait. I think yeah. you mixed analogies there. You got Possibly. the cars and the trucks. Possibly. They're yeah, well near enough. I'm sure it would be well designed, but I just I think back to it wasn't there. There was the iPod speaker that was a quite a failure for Apple. Uh, iPod Hi-Fi. Yeah, hi -fi. you stuck it on yep. the iPod, and it kind of I don't know why it was quite the ugly thing it was, but it was. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I like the idea of a big iPad, but a big iPad for the home practically feels like a contradiction in terms because if it's going to be bigger than the 12.9 inch thing they're not going to price it for less 
than that. Right. So suddenly right. it stopped. It, I could well seeing it being like a, a big uh, corporate office tool. Yeah, and I could see maybe it is, regardless of screen size, run something different besides iPad OS. You know, there were rumors, it was almost a year ago, there was like Home OS mm. might be a, a leaked operating system from Apple. And I almost wonder how CarPlay is for the car, and that's kind of a different software experience that if they were to release a screen speaker combo, that it runs something like Home OS that really only gives you control of your home. Maybe you have music and podcasts, and then maybe you have, you know, you have Safari, but maybe geared towards like recipe lookup or stuff. You know, maybe it's something different because you don't have Safari and like CarPlay. But I don't know. I guess it would kind of be interesting. Although you can control your home from your phone, your iPad, your Apple Watch, your HomePod for Siri from your Mac. So, I mean, I don't know what the demand is for a standalone home device like that. Hmm. But you have to wonder, is uh, has Apple made a uh, brother's, I know there's the car coming in blue next week and mm. there's a VR helmet probably <laughs> a, ooh, a day or two after that. But other than that, have they not made all the products they can possibly make? They've got to find new right. niche new. areas. Well, I'll tell you a niche area they could get into is cheaper monitors because they haven't uh, done that in a while. I see what you did there. Yeah, I see yes. what I did there. Thank yes. you. And. This next actually piece of news slash rumor, this comes from Digitimes, which they've been a supply chain leaker for a while. They've been accurate in as far as the supplies being leaked, but they're not always great at predicting what it will be used for in Apple's pipeline. And so Digitimes is claiming that Apple's building a 27-inch iMac that has gone into production, this high-end or new model iMac, that it's redesigned like the 24-inch M1 iMac but it's 27-inch screen, but it won't feature a mini LED display like was rumored, like the new MacBook Pro. Now, I think this is interesting because we are expecting a high-end 27-inch iMac, or at least a remodeled 27-inch iMac next year. But with the rumors about new displays, I wonder if Digitimes thinks this is an iMac, but in reality, it's actually a 27-inch monitor that will be less expensive than the Pro Display XDR. Maybe that's why it might not have that mini LED technology. Maybe it won't even have ProMotion, who knows? But this could be that cheaper monitor in Apple's lineup. I am very excited to see a actual monitor that I would buy from Apple that's less than $6,000. Now, William, I know you have a, a sailboat of a monitor. Yours yeah. is about 30 feet wide. Yeah. But would would an Apple monitor tempt you away from that gargantuan piece of equipment you have there? It would certainly tempt me, but I wouldn't be able to do it because I spent all my monitor money on this. I love the extra width I've got. I, and when I've been using a MacBook, I've actually I've been suddenly aware of the difference. But the resolution on Apple screens is so much better than I've got here. That's what would draw me yeah. to it. But frankly, I've got nowhere else in the entire house to put this monitor but on the desk. So, you know, where where could you wedge it? Because what, what, what is the, uh, the inches again? It's like 32? 49. 49. Yeah. You say that, but you get so used to it. William. You know, your early morning exercise is walking to the on switch and back again. And it's, sure. you know, it's normal. <laughs> what do, what kind of mouse do you use? I forget. I use the trackpad. Um, I, I love, oh, okay, the, okay. I prefer trackpad. You were saying uh, another time about how mice uh, hurt your hand ergonomically. Uh, no, sorry, other way around, trackpads do. Yeah. I find mm-hmm. mice do, so I love the big magic trackpad. Well, I was going to say, if you to me. if you used a normal mouse, you'd have to like probably pick it up five times just to cross the breadth of that monitor. Yes, good point. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's you true. Would. But with a trackpad, you could just swipe your hand like you're dealing cards, I guess. Like you're stroking a cat when you're trying to move to the side yes yes this this show definitely has a different energy than any previous show and i, I really like it I'm, I'm into it it's good i gotta say christmas eve is actually my favorite time of the entire year there's just a couple of hours on it when it doesn't matter how busy you are what the deadlines are nobody's waiting for you to deliver something mm. family haven't arrived yet you just i, I usually have a moment on my own with nothing to do and it's this this little moment of blissful peace for a while so i'm very fond of christmas eve it's nice to be talking to you uh, on it yes and you know what i agree christmas eve has always been special i grew up in new york here in the states and cold weather was obviously christmas eve and there was always like a stillness in the air and a, a peaceful ambiance just that night yeah for some reason I do. I, I really enjoyed Christmas Eve, like that that moment where it feels like everything kind of stops for a second. You know, sometimes even as a kid, I would get like 
sad on Christmas Day and as Christmas Day was coming to an end because I knew I had to wait a whole year before Christmas came around again. But I do love Christmas Eve. And so this energy is welcome. We have to figure out how to get this energy the rest of the year. I like it. Uh, Well, I think we need to launch into a Charles Dickens story now. Isn't that uh, (laughs) on the... After that, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, visited by the ghost of Apple past. Oh, very good. Very good. Yes. So there was an article that the orange dot that shows up in recent versions of macOS, I think this started with macOS Monterey on the Mac, but this happened in iOS 14 on the iPhone and iPad. When the microphone is active on the different Apple devices running these softwares, you see the little orange dot, which is kind of like a signal to you as the user that the microphone is open and actively capturing whatever's going on. Apple touts this as a security feature because you want to know that if you aren't on the phone or a FaceTime call, or you're not actually recording audio, if you see that dot, it means there's some app accessing the microphone in the background. And you might want to find out what app that is. Is it nefarious? And then maybe remove it like the Facebook app might be doing that in the background. Who knows? But that orange dot has actually been causing issues for some users. And this was actually brought up by the developer of a popular audiovisual graphics client, Isadora. The developer called it an unacceptable thing because if you connect a Mac to a secondary display and your piece of software uses that secondary display for something, that orange dot was still appearing on that secondary display, even if the menu bar is hidden. And if you use that secondary display to present to a crowd of people, or maybe you're doing like a presentation and whatever software you use, that dot is visible, it's not a good situation. I actually have a use case that it is not an issue specifically, but I could see it being one, is I use a piece of software called ProPresenter in a presentation style where I would, you know, show slides or videos on a screen connected to a Mac. And if there was a big orange dot on the screen at, for whatever reason, in the middle of a presentation, like I could see why that would be an annoyance, albeit a problem really for some. And so I understand this might seem kind of blown out of proportion, but it is a strange behavior. And not only that, I've actually had people like just like normal people see that dot on their iPhone in the little status bar and ask me, how can I turn this off? Yes. Like, I don't even want to, like, I don't want this dot at all. I don't care if the microphone's on or not. I just don't want to see this dot ever. And I had to tell them like, there's actually no option to disable this dot. And I feel like maybe Apple would, it would behoove them to put an option to say, I don't want this microphone indicator. What do you think about this? Well, I'm, I don't think it's overblown because uh, it makes things distractingly unusable in certain live performances. I'm thinking of every concert I've ever been to where they were using MacBooks and the glowing ones with the glowing Apple logo that was distracting enough. But right. on the main screens and things, you wouldn't look at anything else, would you? You'd just be drawn to that orange dot. <laughs> Right. Hypnotically. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed it on my iPhone and uh, thought, okay, I understand. Go away now. But it never does. So I didn't realize, it never occurred to me that this would happen uh, over a Mac. So I haven't presented with one uh, in the new versions yet. And now I'm a bit unhappy about it, actually. Well, do you do you see it right now on your Mac as we record? No, oh, actually, I have a little, yeah, I have a little dot next to my focus mode. Right, exactly. On. Is that the same one? Um, of course, on this screen. Yep, it is that one. Uh, to be frank, I had to take a coffee break and walk over to that side to see the dot. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I don't want to go into full screen present presentation mode to check it out while we're talking. But I will uh, after we've done this and I will present to myself and see. for a few minutes and see what happens. I think it appears, at least on macOS Monterey, it appears next to Control Center. Yeah, that's The what icon of the menu bar. And if you click it, like mine says the actual names of the apps using the microphone, which is Skype and Audio Hijack. It'll just say it in the control center, which is, again, like nice that they let you know that. Mm. But I think there definitely needs to be a toggle that says, don't show me this dot ever. You know, I don't want this dot. And maybe you use the microphone all the time, especially if you're in a music or recording type environment, that mic thing would just be on constantly. So I do think there needs to be a toggle. We need an enough already button. That's what we need. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like a relax button. Like I know, it's fine. Just just relax. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Guys, I love the Truebill service and app. First of all, 
We all have lots of subscriptions probably, whether it's streaming services or other things. And a lot of times if you do those free trials and forget to cancel, those subscription costs can end up being hundreds if not thousands of dollars a year when you forget to cancel. Well, Truebill is a new app that lets you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies can make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Yes, you heard me right. Truebill will actually cancel your subscriptions so you don't have to deal with it. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I've been using Truebill for a while now. And funny story, I pay for a storage unit here in Florida. The price actually went up per month and it was Truebill who notified me first before the storage company. They said, hey, you've had this subscription going for a while or this ongoing payment and it's actually gone up this month, just so you know. And it was so great knowing Truebill is watching those amounts and making sure that things don't change without me knowing. Truebill has over 2 million users and it has helped them save over $100 million. It's like Jennifer B who uses Truebill says, our family has saved over $587 a year on unnecessary subscriptions. So don't fall for subscription scams and start canceling those subscriptions today at Truebill.com slash Apple Insider. Go right now to Truebill.com slash Apple Insider and it could save you thousands of dollars a year. That's Truebill.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode and our friends at the Prisoner Wine Company. I've been drinking the Prisoner wine for a couple months now, and I love everything about this company and their wines. They do things differently, from the artwork on the label to the bottle to the taste of the wine. It's always a great experience drinking the Prisoner wine. Wine is like fine art. You know, it can be good, bad, and every once in a while, it can be truly transcendent. Well, that's the Prisoner Wine Company. 20 years ago, they decided to combine some of California's best and most unusual grape varieties to make a bold and complex blend, aka their namesake wine, the Prisoner Red Blend. And not only does it taste incredible, but I love the design of the bottles. You know, you might have wine bottles on display or hanging in your kitchen, and it features Francisco Goya's artwork right on the bottle. I love the brand, the website, super eye-catching, and the wine itself is smooth, rich, and approachable. The Prisoner Wine Company will ship all of their rule-bending blends, like the Prisoner Red Blend, Chardonnay, and Thorn Merlot, direct to your door. Right now, I personally have the Prisoner Red Blend, and it is truly one of the best wines I have ever had. Try one bottle, and you'll see for yourself. So go to theprisonerwine.com slash Apple Insider for 20% off, plus shipping included on your first purchase. This is the best deal they have available. Get 20% off, plus shipping at theprisonerwine.com slash Apple Insider. That's theprisonerwine.com slash Apple Insider. The link will be in the episode description as well. You can just click it there. Offer valid on first-time online orders only for U.S. residents of legal drinking age through January 31, 2022. Other exclusions may apply. Please enjoy wines responsibly. So the next piece of news is actually renders that a new member of the Apple Insider team created. He goes by Apple underscore tomorrow on Twitter. But he made new renders of Apple's supposed VR headset based off a report by the information and things like Ming-Chi Kuo has said. So very cool renders. I'll put the article in show notes so you can take a look at what it might be. But Apple is expected sometime in 2022, so this next year, to release this VR headset. Man, I am so curious what that launch will look like. If Apple announces this thing and says this is our answer for VR what is going to launch alongside of it? I imagine some Apple Arcade titles and maybe some games. Uh, definitely not an Epic Games game, but <laughs> maybe some other uh, Apple Arcade things that you would play on there. Maybe a FaceTime. I don't. Wait a minute. You couldn't even do FaceTime with that because there's no camera capturing you. Oh, yeah. That's spooky thought. You're right. I guess it would have to be like a Memoji thing. Oh, okay. Like, you know, maybe you, maybe you and I could sit down and watch Ted Lasso together, but as Memoji? Not actual yeah. real people. Uh, is there an emoji of somebody reading a book? Because I could. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Uh, if, as long as it's you reading a book in your Ted Lasso blanket. I'm totally yeah. fine with uh -huh. that. Yeah, totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a very good idea. Yes. Yeah. Um, William, I mean, what is this? Like, we're going to be able to enter the metaverse with this new Apple uh, a VR headset, I, I presume. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not a bullish on the metaverse, William? Not excited? Yeah, uh, yeah. Funny. I don't know why Facebook metaverse. Yeah, n- no, not so much. Um, <sighs> yeah. Do you remember when when the internet was young? They used to talk about cyberspace, oh, and now yeah, we just yeah. we talk about what gets to our machines and what we send to it and things. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the metaverse is yeah. It'll the name will vanish, but the technology will live on. Right. And these are the first renders I've seen where. It actually looks quite good, except it just it makes me think of those people who wear those uh, sunglasses, even indoors, you know, blackened sunglasses, <laughs> just so they can look cool taking them off slowly. You do that with one of these. If they look like that, that's what they'll be used for. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, that new Matrix movie is just out for streaming now, you know, so you can look cool wearing sunglasses inside. William, what piece of software... Would Apple have to release with these VR goggles to make you want to buy this thing? I'm hard-pressed to think of anything. You know, I don't play a ton of games. No. I imagine imagine there would be some kind of Apple TV and entertainment experience. Like if you want to watch a movie and have it feel like you're watching on William's monitor that's 50 inches wide, but it's two inches in front of your face. I guess watching things might be good, but... Oh, and fitness. Fitness in VR is supposedly very popular. Like I actually see ads oh, yeah. for the Oculus yeah. and people like working out and saying, fitness in VR is going to change the game. So oh, I yeah, can see... just hold me back there, that one. Oh, <laughs> gagging for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Can't wait. Actually, I had not thought of this before you asked, but maybe... I've Apple Maps, because you know this thing of um, using AR for directions, that it recognizes where you are and puts up an image with big arrows. Only works in about five places in the world, but one of them is London. And I was in London, and I was really impressed with how it worked. And I could see, I would actually use that. If I were wearing the glasses, if I was walking outside and it was safe and legal to do so, I would use that function in Apple Maps. So that would be... Right. That'd be interesting. Okay, I'm surprised at myself. With VR goggles, I think it would be difficult to drive while wearing VR glasses because because you can't see the road. Okay, well, you have to ruin everything, don't you? That's fine. <laughs> I mean, That's... that would be the augmented reality glasses, which for sure, that would be a selling uh, feature. But, yes. you know, right now, the Oculus sales pitch is games, fitness, and then I guess board meetings, but in the metaverse. I mean, I guess like that, there's like the enterprise play. So I imagine that would be Apple's deal. It would be Apple Fitness Plus, Apple TV Plus Entertainment, Spatial Audio, and then games. Hmm. I feel I really feel like there would have to be an additional thing. I don't know. Listeners, if you can think of the killer software that Apple's going to launch with these, tweet at William and myself. I want to know because I, it's, it's really hard for me to think, especially in Apple's universe, yeah. what it would be. Maybe you can finally go into an Apple store and not wait in a line. Maybe they'll have an Apple Store VR experience. Okay, I was running through what games I would play, and VR Sudoku doesn't really you know, run at me. <laughs> are you going to get one of these? I think it's unlikely, but you know how clever Apple are. By the time they finish talking about it, you'll want one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. If you, if you bought one yesterday and they come out, they'll still convince you you want one. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's not the thing I'm rushing towards. Uh, yeah. I'm intrigued. And more so, actually, because of these renders. I, I think very often we see renders that just feel like guesses. And uh, these just seem more plausible, more thoroughly done. Yeah. So I'm impressed with these. And that's piquing my interest a bit more than I expected. So Yeah. We'll have to see. Our listeners tweet at us uh, from your Christmas Eve party. Uh, what are you going to do with these VR glasses? Or what do you hope to do? That's what I'd like to know. Now, this next piece of news, Apple actually released some information about iCloud Private Relay. I think hoping to answer some questions that people might encounter. I'm curious your experience with iCloud Private Relay, William, but I do get periodic notifications about, you know, Private Relay connected or disconnected, which can happen if you go on cellular or in your home Wi-Fi. You can also choose, if you didn't know this, designate specific Wi-Fi networks where iCloud Private Relay will not be active. So like your home network, if you trust your home Wi-Fi and all that, you can turn iCloud Private Relay off just for your home or your home and office Wi-Fi, but they provided information about things like MMS text messaging or multimedia messaging. You actually can't use iCloud Private Relay, so you might see a notification that it gets turned off for that, plus other things like tethering, visual voicemail, can't use Private Relay. And they also provided more information that's like two relays to protect your information and all that. So I've actually found sometimes I might have difficulty connecting to some of my smart home stuff or even like network stuff. And so I'll, you know, disable iCloud private relay manually. 
And I think I've disabled it from my home network now completely. Like it doesn't activate at home. But I don't know. What's been your experience with iCloud Private Relay? Mostly all good. Just in the last week, 10 days or so, I have been moving around a lot. And I got a bit fed up of the constant private relay is on, private relay is off. Right. Uh, notifications that would pop up. I don't know why I was, I wasn't anywhere that I was, it was nowhere I'm usually at, but it wasn't like I was moving around a massive amount. So I didn't know why it was coming in and out all the time. And actually this guy had told me, I think, yeah, I, I can see I was probably on a cellular network. I was in a hotel a couple of times when it would happen and you, you think you're connected to their Wi-Fi, but nothing's happening. So <laughs> right. you go back on cellular without realising. So I can understand it, but I do have the odd problem with some home kit accessories though. And I, it hadn't even occurred to me that private relay would be an issue. So I might switch it all off and see what happens. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, lately it's hard to know, is it iCloud private relay or is Amazon Web Services down again? Yes, because it exactly. seems that that's happening just as often. Yes. So also Pixelmator, we talk about it kind of whenever there's an update, but it's really because I love this application and they really have some of the most forward features for graphics creators or if you use Pixelmator for whatever, but they've now added more features in the latest update. One, that it supports motion files, which if you use Final Cut Pro on a Mac, there's also the companion application Motion for 3D text and some motion graphics that Pixelmator can actually export motion files and send them to Final Cut or Motion and pertain some of that text and design information so you can edit it even there in Final Cut or Motion. So that's very cool that Pixelmator supports that. And better SVG support, which if you're a web developer or work with web stuff, SVG is an image file format that's kind of like a vector image, but for the web, meaning it can scale to any size without losing resolution. That's a .svg image. And now Pixelmator has better support for those kinds of images. So I thought it was pretty cool. Pixelmator, it's pretty great. I use Pixelmator Pro every day. It is my absolute favorite graphics editor. And I love the motion thing because actually, I can't admit, I struggle to understand motion. I managed to get some things in it that I wanted, but I just don't spend the time in it. And if this is a quick way from an app that I know as well as I do Pixelmator, Ah, this is quite a boon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, this next one, I thought this was an interesting article on our website, but talking about iPhone battery health, Andrew O'Hara had the article and video basically left some tips for helping keep the most longevity of your iPhone battery as possible. The big things to remember is heat is your enemy when it comes to battery like battery health and battery life. So if you're in a hot environment, like I am in Florida, and your phone is just sitting on your dash baking in the sun, it's going to mess up your battery long term, let's be real. So you try to avoid super hot environments. And also don't let your iPhone get to 0% regularly. You know, if you're kind of like me, and you remember kind of the old school rechargeable battery methods, you actually were supposed to let batteries drain all the way and then charge them to 100% so the batteries could kind of remember their full capacity. That is not the case anymore with the kind of lithium ion batteries in iPhones and iPads and Macs. It's actually better if you charge them to 100% from mid-charge or not just not letting them get to 0% regularly. So, you know, don't bake it in the sun and charge it often. You don't have to worry about charging it more often than not or trying to wait for it to get to a low percentage before you charge it. Just charge it up. William, do you... uh? kind of stress about your battery do you take any precautions no i just when the battery goes down to zero i buy a new iphone you know it oh, seems, seems simple really um yeah, no problem yeah, there that's yeah good. yeah sorts it out yes very well very good okay yeah sure Okay, so the next piece is about the digital ID in Apple Wallet, the digital driver's license that Apple announced. Still not really available anywhere just yet, but supposedly up to 30 U.S. states have said they're going to support the digital driver's licenses that Apple is going to support in the Wallet app. Two airports, unnamed just yet, are going to support this digital ID at the airport in February here in the U.S. So two in February, two more in March. The TSA announced that That'll be kind of like the beta test for it. And I've been excited for this because Florida was one of the first states to actually announce support. They have a whole website for the digital ID. And the website says coming November. And so I keep emailing them. I've sent them like three emails like, hey, uh, can I get like an early beta test? Or can I, you know, can I get in on this? Because I really want to try it. Uh, but, but no luck yet. So hopefully early 2022, we'll see more of these digital IDs. And William will see it probably in about 2029. I think he'll say he'll have it then. No, we will see the UK government's version of it, which will fail, uh, cost another 37 billion 
try to steal all our data and sell it to people and then get cancelled. That's that's what we'll see. Uh, first. <laughs> what a high opinion of the British government. That's, that's no, amazing. it's uh, frankly history now. It's oh. always like this. Thank you for putting that back in my mind. I was Sorry. having a very nice Christmas say, No, no, no. UK is going to say, listen, we have an, an amazing system we've developed. It's taken decades to figure this out. What we're going to do is create small rectangular plastic cards, and you're going to carry it wherever you go, in addition to that device that you also carry wherever you go. Right. How does that sound? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like our new blue passports that apparently are very important uh, to people here for some reason. Sorry, a friend just finally got her blue British passport and is tickled by the fact that it's made in France, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, against all of this borders nonsense we're living through at the moment. But there we go. Wait, yeah. no, no, wait. So what, did your passport change color? Uh, it was, this is actually, a, a, I'm, I'm shocked to say it to you because I'm I shocked and right when I'm embarrassed. The jingoism we had over Brexit, people who were very pro it were saying, yeah, basically, so, you know, you're losing business, you're losing customers, tourists aren't coming anymore. We're plague island but we've got back blue passports which we used to have oh before God. joining the eu seriously it was a thing here and it does genuinely tickle me that these bluish passports we've now got are genuinely made somewhere in either france or germany um it's just you know what can you so, do so so it used to be red right it used to be red and now it's blue yes well it's kind of a burgundy thing i, ha I actually have two passports i feel a bit jason Bourne like here Ooh. when all of this nonsense started with britain i i qualified for an irish passport in ireland staying in the eu so i made my kind of Ooh. stance by getting an irish passport and i'm trying to work up the nerve to if when we can fly anywhere if i can get on the aircraft with the british passport but come off it with the irish one how many flags will that throw up will there be uh, international incidents oh and, and william you are jason Bourne. frankly that's amazing you know. <laughs> can i be honest i've had one of my desires is to somehow qualify for passports from two different countries the united states and another the only way to do it is you have to live in another country for however many years yeah. or like work in an embassy you know in another country and i don't think i'm going to get either one it is actually in all seriousness it's quite handy a friend who's canadian and lives here has both uh, she will fly into canada on her canadian passport right and fly into britain coming back on the british one and she avoids loads of lines at both ends lots of rigmarole for it so it's a, it has a genuine use as well as the international spy intrigue jewel thief <laughs> kind of aspect that i think we're both aspiring to yeah the latter is really what I'm after. Mm. But yes, mm. it also helps get quickly at airports. I will also say I have done the, I used to work in the travel industry and I did the global entry for the United States. Do you guys have anything like that? The global entry system? I doubt it. I don't know how that works, but we seem to cut out everybody. So the, no. <laughs> the, the global entry for the, the US at least is you go for an interview. Somebody stares in your eyes for about 30 minutes and asks you questions about, you know, where were you last night? And uh, how, do you love the US? They ask you questions like that. Mm. And after that interview, you're given a special card that says global entry. And then when you fly back into the United States from a foreign country, you skip all the lines, all the snorks that are waiting in line at the customs thing. You actually go up to a kiosk. It looks like an ATM and you just slap your hand on a piece of glass, they scan your hand and they check you right through. Mm. There's not even a person there. It's not even manned. And you can go right through if you have global entry for the United States. I've used it twice coming back, uh, actually once from England and once from Germany. And it was amazing because there was this huge line of people and I could just walk right by whistling as I went along and <laughs> just waving. And it's right. a wonderful experience. No, the whistling and the waving, that was uncalled for. <laughs> you know, that was not cool. <laughs> no, it was actually funny. Because it's really meant for people who travel internationally a lot. And I just wanted to do it to feel important. And uh, there was one security guy by the global entry kiosks and no one was using them. Like, you know, this is not a, a common thing for people to have. And so I roll up in my normal airplane attire of athletic shorts and a t-shirt and sneakers, you know, looking very casual. And I walk up to one of these kiosks and he's like, <clears throat> hey, buddy, you know what this is, right? And I said, yeah, I, yeah, I know what this is. He's like, you know, if you're not in the system, it's just going to reject you. You're going to have to get in line. I said, yeah, I know. And I scan my hand. It dings me in and I give him a look and I just walk by. It's one of my favorite moments of my life, I have, to, I have to be honest. Do not ever give a customs person a look of any description. <laughs>
It was more of a smirk. It was more of a smirk, I'll be honest. I once laughed at a joke uh, just after I came through a uh, drive through thing from France coming into the UK. Um, and all the cameras caught it and we were pulled over and stopped. We didn't have guns here, but it felt like it was a gunpoint for it. Were you laughing because you'd got through customs or something like that? Was, no, sir. Sorry, miss. No, sir. Sorry. I just, I just... Speaking of travel, Malcolm had a great article on Apple Insider about the best travel apps. I doubt many people will be traveling this holiday season, unfortunately, with all the Omicron stuff. But if you happen to be traveling for whatever reason, he's got a good roundup there. I do want to mention a couple apps that I like. He mentioned Airbnb in the article. Here in the United States, there's also an app called VRBO, which is Vacation Rental by Owner, where you can rent out like a house or sometimes a condo. That's pretty cool. If you happen to be traveling internationally for whatever reason, Google Translate is a good app, but I would say use the Stock Translate app, which is now both on iPad and iPhone with iOS 15, and live text with translation means if you're in a foreign country, you could take a picture of a menu or whatever and translate it with live text right there in the camera app. So really cool. You can just use the stock camera app. And if you want an app for keeping track of your trip, like your confirmation codes for airlines, hotels, rental cars, and all that, there's two apps that I've used and I really like. One is TripIt, T-R-I-P-I-T. It's a great app for kind of putting all your travel stuff together. And TripCase is another app that basically does similar things. But it's kind of a nice, especially if you have multiple stops, multiple flights and hotel stays. Those are pretty cool. Did you have any uh, travel apps that you like to use when you get to travel? Well, I was going to say TripIt. I, I mean, I, I haven't used it in a while now because of not traveling. But the fact that you, you get an email confirmation from wherever it is, the hotel, the train, the plane, you just forward it into your TripIt itinerary and it passes out all the details and works out your itinerary. It's just a, a tremendous app. I long to use it yeah. again. And it's kind of fun because I have all my old trip in there too, like from when I was working in the travel industry. And it's kind of nice to look back and right. kind of see when, when when did I go to that country or whatever. And you can kind of look back in that app. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Oh, that sounds fun. That's like a very modern version of uh, stamps in a passport, isn't it? <laughs> you, I like it. Right. Well, you know, I don't have to get mine stamped because I have global entry, William. I don't even need to stop at that little booth. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, you have smirking rights and waving right. rights from it. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, this last this art this article, William. It just it really pains me. This was a TikTok video. Oh yes, by yes. Celeste Tice, I believe. She had basically found I don't know in some archaeological dig an old iPod Shuffle, and it was the model of iPod Shuffle that is a clip. We can actually clip it on your clothes or whatever. And uh, she was talking about it. <laughs> I like how in the article. Uh, well, who wrote this article? Was it Wes? This is me. No, you did. That. You did. Yes. <laughs> you wrote the yeah. article. You had the line, William. This was a, this was a great line. <laughs> I'm just going to read your words here. You said, according to Newsweek, more than 2 million people have watched Celeste Teist at Freckin' Bats on TikTok examine the device like she's on the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> That's so good. But also this this video is is crazy making. The fact that she thought this could be a hair clip just it just made me so mad. I felt very old. Well, I felt old at first, but I realized actually I think she's really clever, isn't she? I mean it was her own iPod shuffle. She did know what it was. And later she talked oh, okay. about the music that used to be on it and how weird it was going back to what she had whenever she was uh, however old she was then. Right. Uh, so she's funny and she's clever about it. Uh, but I was really impressed with the hair clip. Uh she's in Apple's first hairable accessory, and it's just. Let me tell you, if Craig Federighi gets on stage with one of these iPod shuffles in his hair, yes. people will lose their minds. Yes. People would lose it. Oh, I want him to now. Please let him do that. I so want him to. That'd be amazing. William, did you have an iPod? I assume you have had an iPod in the past. I remember buying uh, my wife Hunter one of the, it would have been an iPod mini, I think, okay. first. And I got one for myself this time. First time I've been to the States, bought it for both of us. And at some point later on, I had a full-size classic iPod. Because I remember, I remember you, you have this thing of um, bump projection or something. Yeah. But even if the thing got bumped, it would still play. And most devices, they would keep working. They had a buffer, buffer that's the word. They had a 20-minute buffer. Right. And I've got it in my head that that iPod I had had a six-week buffer <laughs> in it or something. <laughs> Stupidly, <laughs> over the top, brilliant. And I used to record interviews and things 
uh, on it. Wow. I met, I interviewed Stephen Fry actually, and he was ecstatic about his iPod because he'd just got a laser pointer adapter for it. <laughs> things what? like this, yes. I didn't know they made stuff like that. No, so oh goodness, this would, how long ago would this been? Don't tell me. I felt old enough about the TikTok video. <laughs> uh, more than a week ago, there were these devices. Yes, oh, uh, I take it you were a big iPod kind of guy. My first iPod was the iPod Video. It was like the black glossy version. I think oh, it was yeah. the fifth generation. That was my first one. And I don't know why I've been so tempted to rebuy it on eBay. There's ones for like 60 bucks. They're scratched because like, you know, the back was like the, gla- you know, the metallic super yeah. scratchable finish. But man, I, I don't know why I kind of wanted to have it just because it was my very first iPod. But hmm. I don't know, maybe it's a weird nostalgia thing. But I had one of these iPod shuffles too. And I had the iPod mini that also was a clip, I believe. Oh, yes. But also had this. Yeah. And it had the screen. It was a touch screen on it. And there was even like app watch bands that you could get and put the iPod mini in a watch band. And it was kind of like the first quasi Apple watch. It's amazing. But yeah, those are pretty cool. This episode is brought to you by Quip. Good health starts with good habits, and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths. It has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide you through a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. It's important to be brushing your teeth for at least two minutes, and what's great is the brush will actually vibrate to let you know when those two minutes are up. It's lightweight and has a sleek design for adults and kids. This is great for kids too, because a lot of times having something a little techie will help kids want to be in the habit of brushing their teeth. The kids version is designed for smaller hands. And again, it will let them know when they've brushed their teeth for the full two minutes. And there's no wires or bulky chargers to weigh you down. There's a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter. And the reusable handles come in a range of sleek metal hues, including the best-selling all black and all pink, as well as bright plastic colors that pop on your bathroom counter. And even beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. They have reusable floss picks. You know, if you don't like doing the whole string floss thing, you can use the floss picks. And they also have refillable mouthwash that's a 4X concentrate. It's good for you and the planet. Plus, with Quip, shipping is free so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. They have stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just $25. And you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral health. See what I did there? So if you go to GetQuip, dot com slash apple insider right now you'll get your first refill for free that's your first refill for free at getquip.com slash apple insider that's spelled g-e-t-q-u-i-p dot com slash apple insider quip the good habits company our thanks to quip for sponsoring this episode and our friends at wealthfront Listen, if you want to invest for the long term, it helps to invest on your terms. Maybe you're pro-solar, maybe you want to be into tech or even crypto. Whoever you are, you should invest in what you believe in. And that's what makes Wealthfront so great. You actually go to Wealthfront.com slash Apple Insider. You take a brief quiz and Wealthfront will build a diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds in minutes. They'll also take your risk aversion or your risk desire into the equation to make sure you get a portfolio that works for you. Again, you can build your own portfolio with clean energy funds, crypto, tech, and hundreds of other investments. They also offer socially responsible portfolios that have human rights, climate change, sustainability included. And best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they even help you lower your tax bill while you invest. This is really great, especially if you're not sure where to get started and what to invest in. Wealthfront makes it easy to invest and make it easy to get smarter about investing. I've been using Wealthfront for a while now, and I love the website, the app, super well-designed, really easy to use, and you can get started in just a few minutes. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash Apple Insider. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash apple insider to start building your wealth today that's wealthfront.com slash apple insider and get started today our thanks to wealthfront for sponsoring this episode let's do our favorites of 2021 william favorite device favorite software feature you said you already knew what device you would say is your favorite from this year so hit me what's your favorite easy m1 max 14-inch MacBook 
pro. Mm. I mean, I actually, I, I do a thing called 58 Keys, which is a YouTube series for writers. And I was thinking, how can a writer justify spending this amount of money? Because, you know, you're not, you only see the performance when you edit video and things like this. But I, I think, right, I recorded, screen recorded myself doing typical writer things. I copy typed uh, a bit of Jane Austen. I downloaded a PDF of a script. I created a PDF. I did four or five different things, including browsing. And I did exactly the same thing on Apple Silicon Mac Mini, uh, iPad Pro with the M1 and the new MacBook. And the differences, even in typing, mm. were incredible. I can't remember the figures now, but it was something like it took, I spent about five minutes uh, doing all of this stuff on the uh, Intel Mac Mini, and it was under three minutes on the MacBook Pro. Yeah, and not racingly, just ordinary day-to-day -day operational typing and writing. And I f still feel it now. Every time I do something, it's just so fast, so responsive. Mm. And then, of course, when you do edit video, I mean, it's just wonderful. So, yeah, no question, no contest. They could release the car in the next half hour, and it wouldn't beat the MacBook Pro for me. <laughs> Man, I'm so tempted to also say the MacBook Pro. But I think, wouldn't you have gone for the 16-inch, where I'm very clearly, I'm a 14-inch fan, I am. No, I, I love the 14-inch. I had a 16-inch MacBook Pro for a couple years. It was the i9, like 2018 model. And it was nice, but man, the 14-inch, you get a little more screen size because it's 14. And the portability is just so much better. Yeah. The 16-inch, I mean, it's a surfboard. And yes. if it, you know, if I was doing video editing on the laptop all the time. If I didn't have an external monitor, you know, I totally get why the 16 inch is appealing, but man, that 14 inch size is incredible. I don't think it's an exaggeration in this moment to say it is kind of the perfect laptop for the moment. Mm. You know, this moment that we're in, I think, I don't know what else you would want. You could say face ID, no notch or whatever, but mm. those are minor quibbles. You guys say the word quibbles, right? That's a UK oh, yes, thing. yes. It's, yeah, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a proud word over here, used <laughs> daily in most yeah, things. Right. Yes. Quibbles and Q, but it is, it is really amazing. It's an incredible machine. But I will go differently. I will say my favorite device from 2021 is actually the iPad mini. Oh. I, it is also the most buggy device I think Apple <laughs> released this year, which is like a weird dichotomy. Yes. But. Because so much of my time is actually editing podcasts, I edit multiple a week, and now I do it all on the iPad mini, and the lightness, the portability, it is fun to just kind of pick up and use. And so it has made podcast editing more enjoyable, doing it for long periods of time. I'm not trying to balance the 12.9 inch on something while I edit and I also have been using the iPad mini for more leisure things. If it's reading, I've been doing reading on the iPad mini. And even sometimes just picking it up to watch a YouTube video, I'll reach for that over my phone and over my Mac. And it's just, it's so good for so many things. And so it is still super buggy. You know, I don't think you could say it's the best product of 2021. I think the best product is the new MacBook Pro. I mean, I, I would never argue with that. I think... That is by far the best thing that Apple did this year. But as far as my favorite device for what I use it for, I really love the iPad mini and I'm glad they redesigned it like they did this year. But the next question, William, yeah, favorite software feature, I'll give you some time to think. I'll do mine first. Please, but, oh, thank you. Yeah. Please. I'm really relieved. That. <laughs> you know, there's been some, you know, you got SharePlay, you got the FaceTime improvements, you have shortcuts on the Mac, which again, I'm glad it's there. For me, now that I've set it up how I want and using it more often, focus modes is probably my top feature, software feature this year. I love that when I activate a focus mode, it activates it on all my devices. So my Mac, iPhone, iPad, everything is in that focus mode. The ability to choose what contacts can come through depending on the focus mode is brilliant and what apps can send you notifications. I love that. I've been able to work it into some automations and shortcuts, which makes them really more useful. And there's one day a week, I try to take one day a week where I don't do any work, which usually doesn't happen. I usually end up working somewhat on that day, but I have a focus mode specifically for that one day a week. And that's the one focus mode that I schedule to fire automatically. It activates at seven in the morning that morning and deactivates at like 11 p.m. that night. And I have a home screen 
dedicated for that day where my email's not on the home screen, Slack is not on the home screen, and having the focus mode change the home screen, plus really control what notifications I get that day, it's really been useful and helped me focus more, pun intended, but you know, you know, focus more. And the ability to change home screens depending on focus modes is really nice. I also have a a video focus mode. If I'm gonna film a video, I'll activate a focus mode and I have a home screen that has none of my personal widgets on the home screen so I can be sure that I can film my iPhone or my iPad and I don't have to worry about, you know, what's on the home screen, what widgets are showing my calendar or address. You know, I just have stuff on that home screen that is good for video. And so focus modes is my, is my feature of the year. I think that was a great addition. You figure yours out now, William? Yes, I have actually. Although I've only recently, just very recently started using that home screen changing thing. I, I think I missed that it was there and it's so handy when you do it. Yeah. But I wish there was something like that on the Mac yes. as well, that it would, but there isn't. Uh, my, it's have to be an Apple uh, software feature because I do have one, but there's lots of other software we could. I mean, I mean, if you have another one too, you can. But yeah, I want to. I want to hear your Apple one. Your, what's Apple your one, uh, Apple feature? Very easily, uh, Quick Note, oh. but specifically Quick Note on the iPad. Mm. You know, it's not on the iPhone. It is on the Mac. I think it's just much better on the iPad. Yeah. Um, on the iPad, you know, you can swipe up for the corner, write a note, push it away again. When you do that, it comes up as one window no matter how many notes you've got, and there's a new one at the front. The Mac will open up a new one every time you go in the corner for it. So I end up with lots of little windows for it. And finding the thing I want uh, is fine. It's as good as the iPad for jotting something down quickly, but for adding to things, keeping notes, or building up a list of stuff as you go around researching, the iPad is just so it's such a sweet spot mm. for me. Uh, I remember actually... I wrote about this for Apple Insider when it was first announced and first out, and I described it, and you understand it. You know, you read this, you think, yes, well, that sounds very useful. And then I finished the Apple Insider work, had to do some research for the Writers Guild, and in that moment, I realised I actually needed the quick notes mm. and used it uh, for other purposes than writing about it. And since then, absolutely hooked and addicted oh, to it. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. All right, we had some listener questions, and William, I'm getting you in on this too. Yeah. So thank you to all who tweeted these in. Keep tweeting questions. We'll get to them in future episodes. We'd love to hear from you listeners. But this first one from friend of the show, Fernando Silva. He's got an incredible YouTube channel talking about iPad stuff and productivity and creativity. He asked, what's the most iconic Christmas gift you were ever given? Wow. Doesn't need to be tech, but can be at any age. I thought this was such a cool question. Yeah. And so... I'll let you think about it, William. I kind of have a... No, I can go with this. I know. I have two answers. Yeah. Two answers. Me. Oh, hit me. Hit me. What is it? First one was when I was about, I think, 10 or 11. I was given a game called Logic 5, uh, which is like a... I mean, in those days, it, was, it is just a game, but it was its own full toy. You had to work out sequences of numbers. And overnight on Christmas Eve, you know, we've said how restful Christmas Eve is. Overnight into Christmas Day, I worked out the maths behind it so I could never fail on that toy and I was given it and I was never not once defeated by its puzzles so it was iconic in that I felt so smug and my poor mother less impressed at how expensive this device was nice at the very time. nice so that was then and it, uh, the fact that he said he said non-tech uh, am I allowed to say a gift I gave myself? Sure, sure. In my living room, I have uh, a very large poster on the wall of a symbol for time from the film Arrival. <gasps> oh. Um, about five years ago, I went out with a friend. She, she had cinema tickets, something, didn't know what it was. It turned out to be Arrival, and I utterly loved it. I went back to see it again the next week. I brought my wife to see it. And then over Christmas, it would have been four years ago now, there was a midnight screening. They re-released it at Christmas. And so I went to see it in the snow, midnight. So, and actually, it's been tradition every year since I watch it around midnight on Christmas Eve. And this year, I'm going to watch it on the beautiful screen of my MacBook Pro. But I'll probably do it on the couch underneath this time symbol so that's stuck with me oh my goodness that is amazing first of all i love that movie it's an incredible yeah. film yes and i might have to get some of this art <laughs> this is yes. amazing <laughs> i did not know this existed it was tricky to find a few years ago actually so good luck now I, i'm and i'm no, i was going to say i'll swap you for one of your ipads or something but i won't no okay <laughs> you won't do it you won't do it i'm sending you a link right now in slack this is 
supposedly it's the arrival time. that's the one that's the, is that the one? Oh no actually not quite as much as i love the film there is actually a mistake in it and there are two symbols that are different times they say are time and the one i've got is the other one oh. and if you look at the other lists they give that symbol you've shown me is a symbol for human and things so there's a bit of inconsistency oh. there but i also just prefer the look of the other one, which now, of course, I've got to try to find for you, short of walking into my living room. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to take a picture of yours and send it to me, I, I, that would be welcome. I'm going to send you one other link, and this looks like a different symbol that might be the one. Oh, goodness. Some people make tattoos out of this, apparently. Yeah, I can see. I can see that. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, well, while you look that up, I will say one gift. I'll do one tech and one non-tech gift. I think it was my freshman year of high school, so I was probably 14. My parents gave me my professional trumpet, and it was the trumpet that I used throughout high school and then into college, and that's actually what my bachelor's degree is in, is in trumpet, (laughs) trumpet performance. And so that was just an incredible gift and carried me through a music career through college, and so that was a, a wonderful thing. And then a tech gift was actually, I think, the only Apple product that maybe my parents had bought me was the first iPod Touch. I did not get the original iPhone. My first iPhone was the iPhone 4. And so the closest thing I had to it was the original iPod Touch. I still have it. It still turns on. And I loved that thing. I mean, I would be on that iPod Touch. I jailbroke it, you know, I think the first year and messed around with it that way. And I loved it. And it was a... You did what? You jailbroke it. William, I was in college. I had nothing else to do. You couldn't just leave it alone and enjoy it for what it was. It's not jailbroken now. Okay. It's it's stock. I I reverted it. Don't worry about it. Okay, now you have sent me the official time symbol. So that's good. Okay. You know, a lot of this was worked out with the people behind Wolfram Alpha and things. The the science and the maths behind it's uh, amazing. That's awesome. Uh, Of the two time symbols in the film, I think this one is used more often. Uh, towards the end when you see a lot of it it's this one i also just like it a lot yeah, and it was available good. when i got the poster so it is, yeah it's, that is brilliant very cool i'll put links in show notes to some of the stuff where you can get that all right this next question from arthur schroeder hope i pronounced that right but he's asking what's your podcast setup in regards to soundproofing and i will post a photo as well and i will say i'm in a temporary recording setup as my house is being built and so my soundproofing right now is like nil. I use the mic that I use, which is the Shure SM7B, because it's very forgiving of slightly echoey rooms uh, because it is, you know, very directional and all that. But in the new house, carpet is a must in whatever room you're recording. If you can put any kind of sound dampening things on the ceiling for whatever reason, that is great. But I'm also going to put this link in show notes. I will be getting these for the walls of my office. These are g-i-k acoustics panels and they actually have very cool designs of these panels you can get them in various sizes various colors you can really customize how you want them to look and they are sound diffusers and absorbers which you need in a you know recording environment but they look really cool they don't look like sound panels so i will be getting those in the uh, in the new home and of course we'll send pictures when those are installed but i'll put that link in show notes if anyone is interested in those i'm afraid i have to warn you yes they don't sell them in europe i clicked on your link and it went no hang on wait a minute you're not in america let's sort this out and it's taking me off to the same company in europe and it's saying no nothing like that here mate no not having that so continental usa only by the sun william what is it with over there you guys don't yeah i don't understand what is happening over there yeah can open worms everywhere yes (laughs) pandora's box schrodinger's cat all the above Mm. all right uh this next one was curio grumble he actually tweeted at me we talked about swift playgrounds 4 last week and how it's out for ipad where you can actually develop an app and publish it all on the ipad and he uh, sent me a tutorial from, on a YouTube channel. It's from Two Straws. And so very cool. Not a question, but it, I thought it was a great recommendation. And so if you're interested in Swift Playgrounds 4 for iPad, I'll put that link in show notes. Oh, I like the sound of that. I'll have a look at that. Excellent. This next one from James Proch now. He asks, what's your favorite Apple product? Not necessarily oh. the best, but personal favorite, current or historic. Wow. This is this is a big Question. Great question. You know, we talked about our favorite devices for this year. Yeah. But favorite device ever. 
Do you know, I might go for the PowerBook 100, mm. I think. That's, uh, all those first three were revolutionary, but that was the one I used the most at the time. The, the, the simple things, like the way it pushed the keyboard to the back, and no one else had done it before, and everyone does it afterwards, because right. it, it's it's right. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that. I'm not sure. What about you? I would have to say it has to be my first Mac which was the 12-inch G4 PowerBook because it was my very first Apple device ever. And that device got me into Final Cut Express, as it was Mm. named at the time, got me into video editing. I got a pirated version of Adobe Photoshop, don't tell anybody, uh, at the time. Allegedly, (laughs) yes. That got me into graphic design and it got me into the world of Apple. You know, it was with that computer. I didn't even know what I was buying really at the time. I had just seen someone else use it and knew I I had to have it. And that sent me on a trajectory to where I am today. I mean, on the Apple Insider podcast with, you know, Apple devices all around. So that, that have to be, you know, my favorite, you know, because it was my introduction to the world. And I did lots of work on it from video editing to website building, everything. I, I worked on a BBC television show very briefly in the uh, 80s. It's famous here called, called Micro Live. It's a series of computer things. And I, I worked on an episode where they talked about desktop publishing. And I think now there it was first on I was in Television Centre and there were all these computers around and there in the corner was this little uh, Mac. Mm. I can't even remember if it would have been an SE by then, but it was that size of it. And to look at that tiny machine, I think how important that became in everything I do in my work and my career. It's yeah. funny to look back. When you, I could, it's been released now you can catch all the episodes on the bbc iplayer or somewhere so i came across it it was like this flashback to the start of my writing career that's very cool well this last question is another big one great questions from all you listeners thank you all for sending them in this is andy l on twitter considering the last five years what mobile technology would you hope apple (laughs) creates in the next five years that is a big one that's a big one Mobile technology. Mobile technology. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this applies, but I really hope Apple is able to make really big leaps forward with the Apple Watch and health. Mm. You know, the glucose monitoring looks like it's on the horizon. Lots of rumors about that. Other data that they're able to capture, health data that might, you know, help early onset anything, you know, Alzheimer's to other diseases. That, you know, I think Tim Cook has said publicly that health is very important to the company and they're focusing on that. And I think that is an area that has the potential to help the most people. And I think that's Apple's at the core. They make tools for people to be creative with and they make things, uh, you know, I think now, especially in the last five years with the Apple Watch has made things to help make people's health lives better. And, you know, I'm excited to see what they do in that area. The iPhone almost feels like such a mature product now. I don't even know what could be added. You know, more augmented reality things would be cool. That satellite feature where you'd be able to use your iPhone anywhere in the world, that would be cool. But I really think the health features have the potential to really affect the most people in the most positive way. Okay, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leap on that word mobile. If you're going to force us to talk mobile, I want to see an Apple aircraft um oh my yeah forget that the car is so passe isn't it uh but yeah apple aircraft apple starship let's yeah five years yeah interplanetary app yeah oh my yeah it's not working is it but no 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 i don't think we're getting to mars with an iphone i'm just saying i don't think it's gonna happen (laughs) i don't i don't know i mean is there anything that you just really wish your iphone could do that it can't do right now it's hard for me to, to think. It would be, I, I, I quite like that. If there was some way for it to magically fold out with a full-size keyboard, uh, that would be nice. I mean, I know you can get laser projectors and things, but you, you basically you're, you're drumming your fingers into a desk or a wall or whatever it is. So if there right. was something there, not a virtual, uh, not an AR version of a keyboard, but something that was real possibly but i can't mm. say until this second i've even thought about that so i yeah i've basically have hankered after it all my life really is what i'm saying yeah 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 that, that was a great question well from wes from apple insider he said do we have any holiday themed automations and unfortunately i do not again because i'm in this temporary living thing i wasn't able to create any kind of cool christmasy type things but william do you have one i do Actually, yes. If I walk into my living room, I can say, hey, Iris, or 
something very similar to that. It's Christmas! And all the Christmas lights around the tree in the room come on and spring into life. That's wonderful. Very cool. N- next year, it's going to be epic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to time something to a Carol of the Bells Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and it's going to be epic. So next year, I'll share mine. Well, listeners, if you have something that you think you could answer, what you hope Apple develops in the next five years in their mobile technology, we would love to hear from you. Tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. And we'd also love it if you could leave the show a five-star rating and review an Apple podcast. Several of you have done that recently, and we really appreciate it. You can also support the show with $5 a month in Apple Podcasts or at patreon.com slash appleinsider, and you get an ad-free, uninterrupted version of the show. And going to start doing some bonus episodes. We actually released our first supporter-only bonus episode. I did a little 10-minute episode with Jason A10 and another friend on the metaverse. And so if you want to listen to that, you have to support the show. And we'll be doing more of those in the future. If you already support the show, or if you're just curious, or if you just have thoughts about other bonus episodes we could do, tweet at myself. Again, I would love to hear that. And don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider. If you have not seen the slow-mo movie of me putting glitter in my beard, let me highly recommend youtube.com slash Insider. Did you watch it, William? Did you see me do that? <laughs> I saw a still of it, and I felt that was enough. I need to build up to this. Oh, bit, but yes. <laughs> William, it's very dramatic. There's a great rendition of Carol of the Bells underneath me pouring glitter in my beard, and I, I think you should watch it. I would love to know your thoughts on it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but uh, that's at youtube.com slash Insider. You could see that. And for this Christmas Eve special episode, William, Merry Christmas. Mm. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you too. Nice talking to you. And to you as well. To all our listeners out there, have a safe and fun holidays and tune in next week for a special New Year's episode. Leave a couple hours for it. I think you're going to really love it. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>